Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in for another Two Bear Arms uh, channel broadcast. Tonight we're talking unloaded and we're going to talk about some recent hunts. Um, I'm Kurt. I'm Deuce. And we thank you for watching. Um, I just got back. Yeah. Oh, gone last week. I was out, uh, out in Wyoming uh, for a mountain lion hunt. And uh, this was take two of the mountain lion hunt. For those that think mountain lion hunting is easy, um, well... We had to do it twice to get it done, but a uh, uh, very neat experience. We went out to the uh, Bighorn Mountains uh, region, and we were in the Ten Sleep Valley out there. Beautiful, beautiful country. And uh, we went out in February. Just a little backstory for those that don't know. We went out in February of this year and uh, was out there for a week, and the weather was so cold and so bad that uh, the mountain lines all caved up. Um, they, they just weren't, uh, we couldn't find tracks. We snowmobiled up in the mountains. We trucks up in the mountains, uh, guides all different directions, helpers all different directions trying to locate. We just couldn't find any tracks whatsoever. They were completely caved up for the week. It was minus 40 wind chill. Um, some of the normal temperatures were minus 27, 28 degrees at the time. And so, um, it uh, was so cold, they just stayed stayed put. So we didn't uh, have any luck that at that time. So now we came back uh, in December and uh, had a little different experience. There wasn't any snow when we got there. Um, and uh, we had to work fairly hard to uh, locate where they might uh, be hiding out at, but uh, they were moving around. We knew they were moving around. We just had to figure out a way to track them. So... Um, while we were out there, the first uh, first day, well, second day that we were out there, um, we went in the northern region and found some snow, and it didn't take us long. We found tracks right away. So um, our dogs, uh, the guides that were with us, uh, I'll give a shout-out to Nate and uh, Braden, our guides. They were fantastic and uh, know the area very well and got the dogs uh, right away on the track and uh, – it uh, was pretty epic to watch dogs work. If you've never been able to go out and do something like that or seen dogs work, um, they use a lot of the similar dogs like uh, like coon hunters use, basically mm -hmm. walkers and blue ticks, uh, you know, smaller hound, hound dogs. And um, it's amazing how well these dogs are trained to pick up on the scent and, and how excited they are to go out and track these lions. Um, we kicked them out of the truck uh, mid-morning. And we had a, a track that we uh, knew was fresh, and the rancher had actually seen the mountain lion the week before um, stalking his cattle on his property. And he had some elk hunters that uh, were also on the property the week before, and they had, they had seen the uh, mountain lion during daylight hours. And right. it, was, uh, it was stalking some deer at the time. And... Uh, They've seen it for quite a while. It actually, the mountain lion actually moved around behind them and got up in some rocks behind them, and they got nervous and called their their guide and said, "Hey, right, we're kind of scared here because right. the mountain lion disappeared, uh, and it was a pretty good sized one." So yeah. uh, they they opted to quit hunting for the day and, right. and left the area. So this mountain lion was stalking this area, and uh, that's one of the reasons we went to that area specifically at the rancher's request. And, um, the, uh, once we had the track, we turned the dogs loose and we thought at first, because there were some thickets right there that we were going to be caught up with the mountain lion really pretty quick. 
And uh, about two miles into the track, we realized it wasn't going to be real quick. <laughs> uh, the line had moved up the mountain. Right. And uh, gone right through the thicket, moved up the mountain. Um, now, now, two miles doesn't sound too terrible when you're on flat ground. Right, correct. It's probably a little bit bigger deal. It probably feels more like four miles when you're crawling over rocks and rough yes. terrain. And, so. and, you know, here in Indiana, we're at about 600 foot above sea level right. um, out there. I, I checked the altimeter just as we started the hike, and we were at about 7,400 when we started. Yeah. So uh, that really changes things a lot, too. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of mountainous terrain. Um, for those watching on YouTube, we'll have some pictures pop up here after a bit uh, that our producer will put in the video here to kind of show you some of the some of the area, and you'll see the lion and and um, some of the terrain that the lion was in at the time. So um, as we uh, as we uh, started the, the track at that two-mile mark, uh, the dogs picked up pace. They use a GPS system there, and the GPS – uh, it was kind of interesting to, to watch how they evaluated the GPS because we obviously couldn't see the dogs at that point. They had gone way ahead of us. And uh, one of the guides, his dogs uh, don't start making any noise until they have it treed. That's okay. the way he's trained them. And um, so it was kind of interesting because I was expecting like coon hunting. The dogs bark the whole time once right. they're on trail. And so it was kind of eerie that the dogs and I kept asking, why aren't the dogs making noise? He said they haven't treed yet. Okay. And, um, so, well, that's, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's nice. And it's, you know, eerie at the same time. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You'll know when they've treed, but at the same time, it was kind of silent and eerie. The only thing you could hear is me breathing hard at that point. So, right. uh, but, um, and so we continue to follow the dogs and then he looked on the GPS and he said, uh, they're really, really getting close. I said, how do you know that? He said, the dogs are in a perfect line. They've now lined up and they're right on the tail of that that right. lion and it wasn't maybe a minute later we could hear the dogs uh, way off in the distance we could hear them echoing so they had it treed um once we finally hiked up there which added about another probably just short of a mile maybe maybe add a mile uh to get to that point the uh the lion was in a uh, uh a deadfall tree that was still standing but okay. uh, i think it had been struck by lightning is actually what i think it was a dead tree but the lion was up in a very neat picturesque yeah. situation but when we came in on the mountain top uh we were looking down on the lion actually the lion was probably 300 350 yards down from us in the tree and it took me a second to even pick him up yeah. um but then we had to maneuver back down that side to get to that point. And uh, once we got down there, we got very, very close, probably oh, 25 feet uh, from the lion and from the dogs, of course. And as we got up there, the lion looked at us, and I seen the feet kind of do a little two-step deal, and she bailed out of the tree. So away she went. And the dogs right after her. Yeah. And I'm thinking – Okay, they're going to catch right up with her. Well, no, they're pretty fast. So yeah. uh, she was she was gone, and I watched her go through the canyon and around the corner and up another up another side of the mountain. So uh, chase was on again. Right. So <laughs> we uh, we let the dogs trailer and uh, we started moving that way, but uh, it took the dogs a little while to catch up um, and put her in another tree by that time. So. 
we uh, took us about 25 minutes to make it, maybe maybe 30 minutes to make it over to where they were at this time, and uh, got in there. Uh, this time she was in a, a, a very large juniper tree, and uh, so she was covered by a lot of branches and things. So she was kind of camouflaged in there. I mean, obviously we knew where she was at. We could right. see her and and hear her and hear the dogs. Uh, the dogs were very upset that they couldn't get to her. So. Um, but you could is is the cat being pretty vocal at this point in time? Or? Uh, yeah, she was voicing. You know, she was trying to figure out. I, at one point, and you'll see in one of the pictures that uh, Phil will put up there, you you could see kind of the look on her face. My guide said, you know, when he, we looked at the pictures later, he said she was evaluating whether she could whip that dog's butt. Right. Um. But then the other dogs had come up and joined up in the tree. And uh, she she didn't want to tangle with. I think we had seven dogs with us at the okay. time, so she didn't want to tangle with seven. She was willing to tangle with one. But um, you can see them looking at each other eye to eye, and they're only about probably six or seven feet apart. Okay. And she, I think she was eyeballing to try to decide if she could take that one dog. But um, and yeah, she was very vocal. Um, she'd swat her paws out at them, and um, you know, of course, the dogs didn't care. They just right. wanted her out of the tree, and. Um, and then as we approached there, I took, you know, uh, my guide, Nate, fantastic guy. Uh, he said, you can snap a couple pictures as you get close in there. She's not going to go anywhere this time. And he was almost right. Uh, <laughs> just as just as I snapped a picture, I went to stick my phone and, and pull my handgun out, and she bailed again. Away she went. So, uh, and this time she went harder than the first time. She went clear down the side of the cliff, which – the dogs didn't want to take that route, so they went just a little bit off to the one side, but she bailed off a, a very steep cliff, uh, landed fine, took right off, and she had a couple hundred-yard head start uh, in front of the dogs now at this point. And she went clear up the valley floor, clear up the side of the mountain, and disappeared over the top of it. So kind of back the direction we started. Right. So um, dogs were in pursuit, and... Uh, we made our way back down into the valley floor and up and around and uh, back up over the mountain again. And then we realized she went up over the next peak. So uh, we had to track down into that valley and back up the other side and back down it. Right. Um, and then she was in, a, in a, another another juniper tree there. And uh, as we were coming down there, I, I talked to the guide. I had both a handgun and a rifle with me. Um, but I got the rifle extremely snow covered at one point and I just didn't feel comfortable planning on using it. Right. So I didn't, if snow was packed in a barrel or anything, um, I didn't really want to pull the trigger on it with it packed full. So I told him at that point I was definitely going to use handgun and, uh, we just had to get in a position to where I could. So we, uh, we came in from the top again because that's just the way it works out. And, um, we actually got basically eye level. She was pretty high up in the tree, but where the tree was positioned and where we came in, um, it put us almost at eye level with where she was at. She had her back to us. Uh, she was paying attention to the dogs. And it was about a 50, 55-yard um, uh, spot we were in. And I, I, I told the guide, I said, I just got to do it here. I don't want to get up here. I don't want her jumping again. And uh, uh, using a 1911 uh, in 10 millimeter from Springfield TRP and uh, with no optic on with it, no optic on it uh, mm -hmm. open sights and you know I was hoping with the handgun to be somewhere around 25 yards right uh, would be preferred but in this case you know 
if she would have bailed again, that was that would have been pretty rough on us trying to, and right. rough on the dogs too. Right. Because now we're about six six and a half miles into this. Yeah. Um, from the time that we kicked the dogs out, so it, it's been a pretty lengthy adventure, and I think probably by now we're somewhere around the eight thousand foot mark, somewhere in that that neighborhood, um, maybe just a little less than that. But, uh, so yeah, fired the ten millimeter, um, struck her in the upper shoulder. And uh, which we didn't know at the time because there again you can't see right you know and you're not you're not sure we found this out when we skinned her but um, it knocked her into the tree pretty good um, but then she bounced back up and I fired two more shots one struck her in the center of the back and knocked her out of the tree and when she fell out of the tree she went down an embankment about a sixty yard or so slide basically from where the tree was at and she slid down to the bottom of course the dogs went right after her um i i think she at that point she was mortally wounded she just didn't know it right and so she had gotten into a bush right there and started a battle with uh, with the dogs because the dogs at that point you know they're on ground level right. they want to fight and uh, they dove in there and i had a whole lot of concern for the dogs because the guide and i had just been talking all morning long on the drive up there about, you know, tragic events where the dogs have been injured by mountain lions or right. even killed by mountain lions. And I didn't want something like that to happen with, right. with his dogs, especially I'd gotten a little bit of, you know, I didn't have a lot of time with them dogs, but I liked them already. Sure. Um, and, uh, so we ran over, slid down. Um, I went down first, uh, slid down the same embankment basically and just sat on our butts and just slid down because there was no way to climb down it. It was fairly steep. It was like going down a kid's slide basically, right. just hard rock. Um, and he followed me down. We got to the bottom there and found a little hole in the bushes there because they were in the bushes going at it and uh, found a, a nice clear opening, about a six or eight inch hole that we could see into the bushes. Um, and I, I shot her there and finished her off. But, um, and one of the dogs had gotten, she'd clipped him pretty good with her claw. Okay. And, uh, cut his ears pretty good. Um, you know, I was very concerned about it. My guy said, don't worry. She, you know, the dog will be fine. That's right. the toughest dog. She'll be fine. And next day she was, she was chasing lions again the next day. She right. was good. So, um, after a little bit of doctoring work by the guide. So it was, uh, quite an experience. And, uh, you know, um, once we got the dog separated from her and that type right. of thing and got her drug out, you know, we didn't know it was a female until we got it out. You know, you always want to uh, try to take the males, but this one was actually stalking uh, ranchers' livestock. So at that point, it doesn't matter male or female. Right. As long as they don't have a cub with them, mm -hmm. um, they're to be taken out. Yep. So, and that was the decision that we made prior to, uh, prior to letting the dogs out was male or female, this, this line has to go right? because it's, you know, going to cost the rancher a tremendous amount of money here pretty soon. Right. And, uh, and that was the, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the rancher's call? Um, yes. And the guide and my call, I mean, okay. they were the, the, they were very the rancher, rancher wanted that cat gone. Because yeah, the rancher's deal is, at that point, he said, if you guys go after this lion, I want it dead, male, female, whatever. And so then it was up to us to decide if we wanted to go after the lion. Mm -hmm. And he was leaving that up to us. And then my guides talked to me and said, you know, if if you are, you know, you make the decision, but male or female, we've got to take this lion if we catch it. And uh, 
you know, and, and we thought about it for a while and I said, well, you know, this is a, a good conservation move yeah. because it's saving some livestock. They know she's stalking this pasture in particular. She's not just stalking deer. She's actually legitimately looking at the livestock on this property. So that yep. becomes a problem. And, uh, and that, this is a good time if I can interrupt yeah, to, to yeah. kind of mention, um, yeah, I think a lot of people think that that's something that hunters like to just kind of gravitate towards as to, you know, to, as an, an excuse um, to hunt. But I think few people, especially people that don't, um, that aren't cognizant of how it all works, the economic impact that can ha- be had negatively by these ranchers out there. Many of them are barely breaking even to oh, start absolutely. with. They're not ranching for their money. They're ranching for family heritage. Um, it's what all they know. It's how they make their living. Every head of livestock that's lost um, to something like that is money out of their pocket that they fiercely depend on. Um, you know, so that's you know also really important. You know, so when you have an, an animal that's um, either either taking livestock or you know is going to take livestock, which mountain lions are everybody knows they're fully capable of doing, and they do do it every day. Um, you know, so you know that's pretty legitimate not pretty legitimate it's a very legitimate reason uh because you know it can have a huge economic impact on that rancher and that's their livelihood you bet so you bet and you know that's um the guide and i got talking quite a bit several the the three guides that we had out there at the time um because my buddy was with me and then the the gentleman that owns the guide service you know we were all discussing many different times um People don't realize uh, how violent nature is, I guess, right. in a lot of respects. Yeah. I know we had some Facebook questions earlier when I posted some pictures about, yep. you know, uh, you know, folks, this isn't necessarily trophy hunting, even though, yes, uh, out of respect for the animal, I'm going to have it taxidermied sure. because that's the way I operate, and I apologize to no one for that. But, right. um, you know, these uh, the uh, Wyoming DNR, um, study mountain lions uh, very intently, and they determine a number of permits that will be allowed per zone or n- a number of animals that will be allowed to be taken per zone. Um, it's no different than Indiana's deer season, you know, right. allowing licenses and such and a number of does, but they actually set a quota number um, in each zone in Wyoming, and there's, I don't know how many zones there, there's quite a few, but uh, like the zone that we were in, I think the quota was like 26 for the entire season in right. that zone, and that covered several county area. Uh, so just think of Indiana and several counties. They were allowed to take 26 mountain lions in that area. Which, which tells you the number of cats that are in that area then. I oh, mean, really. I absolutely. mean, it's, uh, you know, because you know that's just a percentage. Oh, and, so and it's we not were... Like, it's not like you're trying to eradicate 50% of the right. lion population. Right. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot more cats than than that in that in that zone then oh yeah and we stood on one of the mountains and i asked one of the guides i said you know and i was just kind of being facetious with it but i said look out across here you know as far as we can see which was quite a ways i said how many mountain lions do you think are out there looking out across here and he he just really quick turned and looked at me he said four to five hundred yeah i said what he said yeah there's four to five hundred mountain lions and what you can see from where we're standing all the way to the horizon four to five hundred somewhere in he said, you know, they're stealthy. And he said, yeah. so, you know, and it covered multiple zones, but, right. um, but yeah, with that quota, um, 
you know, DNR knows exactly how many cats are being taken out of there, and they're not trying to eradicate them. They're trying to manage them. Yep. Still keep them there, but keep them in check so they don't do, you know, astronomical amounts of damage to the ranchers right. and to the elk and whitetail and mule deer. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they don't uh, – and I was a little surprised to learn that they don't go after, you know, I said, well, I bet we seen a lot of rabbits. And I said, you know, well, I bet the mountain lions, I bet they love, you know, catching up with the rabbits and stuff. And I said, really only if they're starving, right. they would much rather have a deer or a sheep mm-hmm. or, you know, livestock of any yeah. type. And, um, you know, and, uh, they said in a successful, a successful adult mountain lion will kill one large livestock, either cattle or, or elk or deer, um, every seven to ten days. Right. They'll kill them, put them down, and then guard over that yeah. stash of meat, um, not traveling far, but finding a place to sleep at night, but then coming right back and feeding again until they gorge themselves. Right. By then, they've burnt the energy off, and they have to kill again. But the other part of that I found fascinating, and from the rancher's standpoint, is that when uh, – the females have the, the cubs as they grow and they stay with the mom for two years. Typically during that two years, they kill for sport at times. Yeah. Mom will take them out. And they, they mentioned one example of a rancher there, not too far from where we were at, who was a sheep uh, rancher. And uh, he come out one morning and found, I think 17 or 18 of his sheep all dead in the field. Um, all bitten in the throat by mountain lions. Right. And the theory was they were using that as training overnight. They were right. knocking his sheep down and just killing them and not eating them right. because they probably had a kill that they were full from. Yeah. And uh, we're just putting them out or putting uh, the sheep down just to teach the young ones how to kill. And so, you know, that was pretty devastating for that. Uh, oh, absolutely. Nature. So in those situations, I think, uh, you know, I'll argue with anybody all day long about, ethics of hunting sure feel free to stop by the shop and look me up while we talk right um not on facebook yeah not on facebook i don't like typing that much yeah uh, i mean you're up for it but well I mean, yeah it's, yeah it's i'm just, up for your the fingers argument. get tired yeah, and, yeah yeah spell check and yeah. all that it's way more fun in person but nobody Absolutely. ever takes you up on it it's i'll buy weird. coffee yeah, I'll, yeah. Buy, I'll provide the coffee so yeah, yeah. comfortable seat to sit on you know, it, uh, no, I mean, it had to be a totally different experience from you from a adrenaline. You've never been in that type of a hunting. You know, I mean, you're, right. you know, most, most of it's been uh deer, deer yep. size game, whitetail and stuff yep. like that. And, yep. um, had to be totally different for you. Oh, so. it, it was, you know, um, hunting as long as I have, you know, whitetail, especially, um, yeah. a few other game, uh, a lot of small game, you know, early on, but. Um, yeah, this was, uh, I, I, I had a lot of adrenaline, which, you know, um, you don't feel that often once you've hunted as long as you right. have, you, you, I guess you feel it, you just manage it. Well, um, there was a moment right at the beginning, not ashamed to admit it. When I pulled that pistol up for the first shot, um, I had a lot of front sight movement. Sure. I actually reset my safety for a split second and took a really deep breath, right. closed my eyes for a second and then dropped the safety, opened my eyes again picked up on the target, fired the shot, but I actually took probably, which there again, from the time of my first shot to the time of the final shot was maybe, maybe uh, 80 seconds. Right. I mean, everything happened so quick, maybe 90 seconds. Um, We just, everything was so high speed, but uh, that pause was, you know, a split second, but it was enough pause that gave me that good front shot. Right. Sort of the front shoulder shot, but 
um, yeah, it was a lot of adrenaline. So all the way through. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and then afterwards, of course, then you have the after adrenaline when everything's calm. Yeah, when you yeah when it dumps on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. a lot of that got knocked out of me dragging them lying down the right the mountain. Of course, my guy did a fantastic. Nate's a fantastic guy. He he did most of the dragging, but uh, yeah. that was nice. I mean, since he forgot his backpack and his rope, that's the least he could do. So oh okay so, yeah uh-huh. uh, but. Shout yep, these, out to you, Nate. These things will happen. Yeah, yeah, they'll happen. Yeah. So he still owes me mountain house. According to him, he has a tradition where up on the mountain, once you kill a, kill a lion, he builds a little fire, makes some mountain house food, and you set and you eat a little bit to get your energy level right. back up before the dragon. calories comes. you just burn. Yeah, get the calories yeah. back up that you just scorched. Well, he forgot his backpack, so we couldn't do that. Yeah. So. Well. Yeah, we had to drag out. His focus that. was uh, the task at hand. Yeah, yeah, so, yep. So yeah. he owes me a mountain house dinner on the mountain at some point. Yeah. But it, no. Uh, so, you know, it's, you know, I've been told that, you know, it's in my experience that, uh, you know, when you're going after Cougar, that uh, just a latest issue of the Cosmo magazine and a skinny <laughs> martini is a good way to trap or bait them. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that, but then all of a sudden it clicked. Yeah. Like, oh God, here we go. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, this is our podcast. We can yeah. say whatever we want. I, I should have never read that article before. I read it, it was nothing <laughs> like that. It was absolutely nothing like that. I was very disappointed. <laughs> so I had a bottle of That's wine. That's just with what me. I've heard. I, yeah, I, I had a bottle any, of wine with me. I have no yeah. personal uh, experience. Yeah. Uh, yep. I had know. my playlist all set up on Spotify. Apple Teeny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apple Teeny. We were uh, all set. So should have done the trick. Yeah. But, what do you mean we gotta move fast up that hill? Well, yeah. that wrong cougar wrong cougar dang it yeah so uh but no very very neat experience you know uh i've had a few people ask me since i got back that you know what uh you know physically what was it like um you know um be in shape a little bit yeah uh be in shape a little bit be uh you know I, i there again i'm not the uh I'm not ready to be in Cosmo magazine as a centerfold no. or anything, but, um, nope. but I did. Not unless it's for the elderly. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. AARP, maybe. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, good. you're, you're funny. You funny guy. You funny guy. Um, but uh, no, that's, I was just I was actually going to lead into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we're both. Believe it or not, pretty health conscious, yep. and we both make an effort to be in shape and yep. do some form of working on it. And I know you've been hitting it hard the last couple of years, yep. and you've noticed that it's made it. You started doing that well before the first time you went out. Yep, and um, it makes a difference, guys. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, because you don't you don't know you're out of shape till you get, drag a deer three, four hundred oh, yards. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, and that's something that a lot of guys, you know, I, I forget what the fatality rate is on guys that have heart attacks oh, from yeah. doing something like that during hunting, but it's more than what fatal shootings or accidental oh. shooting. You know I mean? It's yep. just, it's uh you know, that's something that most people don't think about. So if you're going to, if you're going to do something like that, it's, you know, if you're investing the money and the time to be out there, you probably should put a little time into yourself yeah. before you go out there, yeah. you know, and that can make a big difference. And, you know, cardio is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I bought an altitude mask a couple years ago yeah. um, that you can adjust the dials on to change what it represents altitude-wise. Yeah. Um, use that for a lot of hiking exercises. And, yeah. you know, you don't have to go, and I, I'm not, I don't want to discourage anybody from going out. And no. Doing it, but I also want you to be safe doing it, and I want you to get the, the full experience out of it without, 
hindering your guides or yeah. hindering your own situation going out you're there. Just, you're, you're not pulling up an ATV 25 yards from where you're going and just popping out and shooting. Yeah, not for mountain know. lion. In yeah. fact, we, we talked about that, and the one guy's been doing it for, well, his whole life. His father's a guide and his brother's a guide. And so he's done it, you know, he used to go to elk camp when he was like eight. Yeah. So, and he's, he's my age, so he's in his fifties. Um, you know, and he said maybe just a small handful of times have they had a situation where, you know, they kick the dogs out and the dog's tree hundred, 200 yards away. Right. And they walked out there, boom, got the line and that was it. Line didn't jump, didn't take right. off, you know, and just a very, very small handful of times that that has happened. And, one of the other guys said they've never had it happen. Right. So, you know, every yeah. time it's a. It's and, you, and you were prepped for the experience. You'd done your homework. Yep. You know, yep. like like everything you do, you don't go anything anything without some knowledge, yep. uh, doing your research. And um, it's just kind of the way you operate. You know, you, you, know, you ever wonder who, you know, who reads a user manual from front to back? <laughs> he does. See, you know, you know all yeah. my deep dark secrets. I do know all your good. deep darks. Yeah, I mean, he gets so excited. He's like, oh, goodness. Go and pour a glass of Crown and read that couch <laughs> manual tonight. Oh, the lever works like this. Yeah, you get you get very you're very see, passionate about user manuals. See, so. and then you're gonna have a question one of these days, and I'm gonna know the answer because I read the manual. And then you're gonna be like, "Oh man, you're a genius!" And I'm gonna be like, "That's because I read the manual." So. I don't really assume you know all the answers. I just know that I'm wrong. So. <laughs> okay. All right, good, That's, good. Yeah, uh, I've okay. learned my lesson. See, see, it didn't take us that long. You know, yeah. we've been friends for a lot of years. So yeah. I'm glad you finally recognized that. Oh, absolutely. Works great. Yeah, uh, works great. It's a miracle that I make from point A to point B. <laughs> We're always here to help. Thank you. Yep. Uh, but no, guys, if uh, if you got any questions or anything, you know, feel free to come by the shop and visit. Or if you're not from around here, you can email me or, or uh, send me a message on Facebook, and and I'll try to answer your questions there. Again, if you want to debate, I'd prefer you come and we do it in person, and I'll buy a cup of coffee for you. Yeah. Um, but uh, it very neat experience. You know, um, it was on my – basically my bucket list. I don't mm -hmm. know if I believe in bucket list per se, I just keep doing more things and more things every day is my theory. But, right. uh, but it was on my list that I wanted to accomplish and, and to get a mountain lion and uh, very, yep. very pleased. With awesome that, so. experience with the formidable. Yep. Uh, foe there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, you know, I, I did a little research too, before this okay. podcast, you know, uh, mountain lions are listed as a game species mm -hmm. and, uh, they are legal to hunt in 13 States. 13. Okay. Yep. I didn't so. know. Mm -hmm. Great. Wasn't in my yeah. manual? Yeah. So yeah. I did it for you. Nice, so you nice. The neat thing, Wyoming folks, you know, I'll, I'll brag a little bit on the state of Wyoming. I've, I've kind of fallen in love with that state. Um, the neat thing is you can buy a mountain lion tag right over the counter. So yeah. you don't need to draw, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't need to draw or get preference points or anything. I don't know about the other states, but I can say in Wyoming, you can just buy the tag right over the counter. I think it was right around 400 bucks for the tag. Yeah. Um, and it's good for a year. So that's one reason we went back now is because we didn't get one in February. So we went back now because our license was still good um, till the end of the year, yep. till the end of season, I guess. Um, and, yeah. Uh, so that worked out really great. Yep. And again, those areas, not only are the ranchers uh, part of the economic situation around there, so is the hunting. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a big boost for the local Absolutely. economy from the bar, from the restaurants and bars that you guys go to to the yep. grocery stores to the yeah. whatever 
yep. you know, hotels that you stop at. I mean, it's, uh, it's a big deal. The ice cream we had at the, the, ice cream, uh, yeah. the, the general store, all of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's all part of it. Bought a lot so. of Christmas gifts while I was out there. So, you nice. know, we, we stimulated the economy out there. I didn't give you a list before I went out, so I, I hope know. you got what I wanted. Okay, uh, we'll see when I yeah. we'll see. Uh, Christmas is I won't there. hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you got a present on the tree. Hush. All right. So, yeah. Uh huh. All right. So that uh, that kind of sums up my uh, activity out in Wyoming. Uh, fantastic trip. My buddy that went with me there again. Mountain lion hunting is hard. Yeah. Um, he did not uh, come home with a lion, and this was his second. You second know, he went with me well. in February, and uh, you know, there again out there another week this time. Um wasn't from lack of effort by anyone's part right. everybody worked hard we just didn't have the snow on in uh 95 of the area did not have snow at the time uh and that's what makes it much easier to track them you can still find them but it's much much harder um and uh we all of us all the guides and uh we were all separated into you know i was with one guide he was with another guide and then the, the, the owner was out there working the area too and uh, we were all going in different directions trying to locate lions. Uh, the final, uh, the second to last day, we sent dogs out. We had a little bit of snow, um, just enough snow that we identified a print, and we released the dogs on it. Um, dogs went, oh, probably three-quarters of a mile and then got into really rocky conditions and lost the print. There was no more snow. Right. Um, so uh, once the lion was up on the rocks, it just the, the scent just wasn't there, and it was an old enough track if it was a fresh fresh track um but it was probably at least six to eight hours old so um the dogs broke off of that one and then the final day we got a lot of snow overnight but it was snowing also in the morning so it was covering up the tracks that they had produced overnight because they're nocturnal hunters and uh we kicked dogs um midway through that morning and they had a really good track. We, they were going into a low valley. We were very excited about it. We who, we were just sure we were going to get one tree down there. And we think they got down there and got the signals crossed with uh, bobcats that were down there in the area. Okay. And um, uh, just kind of got scattered out. Couldn't make the difference between, you know, they're, they're looking for cats. Right. So, you know, mountain lion or, or bobcat, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But um, they got scattered out, and then they got wore out. Uh, a few hours later, we pulled the dogs, and that kind of ended the mission. So we ran out of time. So it is a little tougher of a sport to go after, Um, and it's a lot like deer hunting. Just put your time in. Right. And like I say, it took us two trips out there. Yeah, which is a a big time investment. Oh. You know, you were gone a total of uh, two and a half weeks between the two trips. Yeah. Yeah, and you've got a business to run here, and, uh, you know, we we missed you while you were gone. Yeah. So. It, they uh, paid you to say that, I know. But, um, who paid uh, me? Well, I don't know. I'm the only one that missed you. When oh, okay. Gone. Well, see, so, you said yeah. they. You said we. I and said I was they like, to make no, you feel better. Okay, but, yeah, I uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no it's so uh, yeah. We held I, we held the fort down while you were gone. Yeah. And we're busy, and yeah. um, a lot of people asked where you were. I said none of your business. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> glad you were in charge of customer relation. That was yep. fantastic. Get out. None Get of out. your business. Yep. Uh, no, no. We you know we said you were on a hunting trip. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it. Uh, I know, and a lot of people, uh, all your Facebook followers and stuff, were yep. really interested to hear kind of the firsthand details. And, sure. And um, yeah, you didn't. I know you didn't embellish anything. So it's the no. same. It's the same thing that you told me. Yep. So 
and the you know and there again i the one thing that i really like relating about this this hunt is because i kind of consider it a you know a poor man's hunt if you will um you know it, it yes it still takes a few thousand dollars to go out there and I won't name specific prices because guides charge all different amounts, but, um, but it's not, you know, it's not an African safari hunt and it's not, you know, full blown trip to Alaska type hunt. It's a much cheaper hunt. Um, like I say, it's still an investment, but, uh, and it's still a lot of drive time. I mean, it's 1400 and I think 1480 miles right. one way, uh, to get out there where we were at. So, yeah. and it's a hunt that you virtually could not just drive out there and do it yourself. Oh no, no, unless no, no, you, no, 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 no. You took dogs out with you and yeah. knew no. the area and had permission and knew all the spots. I mean, it's just not one of those type of deals. So. You would no. you can get so turned around out there just in, just in the geographic area of how it's laid out. Right. Um, and it's people, you know, Indiana doesn't understand how big that, uh, that, uh, right. Uh, the valley is and the mountain ranges are it's, uh, and we'll have some pictures there again on our, our YouTube for you to see, but, um, yeah, it's, it's big. And then, and then, yeah, the skill that it takes, these guides have been doing this their whole lives and they've dedicated themselves, you know, Nate, the guide I was with all week. I mean, the man lives and breathes this and, right. um, you know, thinks about it seven days a week, works with the dogs constantly. And, uh, so yeah, it does take some epic skill to be able to track these, these lines down. So, but yeah, if anybody has any questions, get a hold of me on it. And, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, very excited to be getting it off my list as far as something I wanted to do. We'll That's see awesome. what the next thing is. So maybe bear. Yeah, or, maybe bear. Yeah, bear or um, still want to go after mule deer. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I still want to go after some sort of sheep or ram. Yep. Um, I haven't made a decision on what that is yet, but got some time. Not going on one for a while. Now. Yeah. So, hey. I still, I still like the idea of just releasing some boars here on the property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. feral pig hunting. Yeah, there I'm you sure go. sure everybody would really appreciate that in the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so a few hundred Russian boars. A few hundred, kick yeah, them, kick them out. Boars. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah. No. good for the area. Yeah. Uh, and and back here, it's still, uh, we got six days left of muzzleloader and yeah. uh, whitetail here in yeah. Indiana. So yeah. I'm, I'm still hard at it. Yeah, so, uh, yep, know, good, good. Still uh, hoping and wishing to uh, land one myself. The so. nice thing is, is they're not going anywhere. They're, they're not going anywhere. Yep. No, yep. no, they are not. Well, so. so, yeah, everybody out still deer hunting, we wish you luck. There again, stay safe. If you're in a tree stand, please wear a harness. And, uh, you know, when we're talking about falling and liability, that leads me into a commercial here for our insurance company, yeah. uh, WR Hall. And uh, good friends of ours, and they provide our insurance here, uh, not only for the vehicles and the buildings and inventory, but also our liability and such here. And uh, they can do that for your business or your personal uh, liability. So get a hold of Mike or one of the great folks over there. And uh, I know we put him in touch with one of our friends last week. Yeah. And uh, he put together a very comprehensive uh, uh, insurance policy for them for their business. And that's fantastic, and we appreciate that. So uh, get a hold of our man at WR Hall, and what's the tagline? WR Hall, they've got you covered. There you go. See, that's like we scripted that, and it's not. This is unloaded. We can talk Totally about unloaded. It. I yeah. love it. I love it. So and uh, so we've got a pistol here everybody's been looking at on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little about this revolver? Well, you know, this is a horse we don't want to beat too hard. Okay. but uh, and, and there's more than uh, one video out there kind of uh, explaining this. Um some of them are 
okay videos. Some of them are just downright kind of wrong. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, for people that don't know, uh, single action revolver is something that you and I are highly familiar with. Yes, sure. uh, I'd, I don't know if I'd call us experts, but we spend a lot of time with them okay. so, yes, <laughs> and yes, how sure. they work. Yes, uh, sure. They're guns that we shoot competitively. And, uh, literally I've, you know, I've got a quarter of a million rounds through a single action revolver in the I'm last sure. 20 that's years. So pretty that's conservative probably, yeah, mm-hmm. probably. And, mm-hmm. uh, way more handling and dry fire and practice than that. Mm-hmm. So, um, what I have here is a, uh, Pieta Colt replica. It's a okay. replica of the Colt Peacemaker, 1873. Okay. Um, coincidentally, the Pieta is this is not in uh, can not in finish or anything, but this is the same gun that would have been on the set uh, of the recent Alec Baldwin tragedy. Okay. Um, so I just kind of wanted to highlight for people that haven't seen it okay. um, how these guns work, guys. Okay. Uh, and again, I'll show you. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. Completely unloaded. unloaded. Okay. Uh-huh. Also, uh, important to note, this is my personal spinning gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a lot of gun spinning, and, and uh, the firing pin has been removed. Okay. So um, that's not for safety, actually. That's so I don't impale myself okay. with it. So, um, okay. But the way, uh, this is a true Colt replica. Actually, the Pietas are the closest uh, modern-made replica to an actual real Colt single-action army that's made today. Um, these guns have basically, you'll hear, uh, four-click action. You've got your safety your safety notch right there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so the hammer is not directly resting all the way through the frame. And you've got your half cock, which frees up the cylinder for loading. Um, three-quarter cock, uh, which just is part of getting your hand into position, and your full cock, which locks the cylinder in place. So in order for this gun to fire, hammer has to be pulled all the way back and the trigger pulled. Okay. Okay. Um, that obviously this gun's in good condition. Um, these guns have to be really beat on for the sears and bolt notches um, and all of the components to not work correctly. And uh, most of these modern-made replicas are a lot more robust than even the originals. So, um, you know, let's let's assume that the gun on set was in good working order. Okay. okay. So, really, you know, when he says he didn't pull the trigger, mm-hmm. there's only one way this gun can go off, mm-hmm. and that is from pulling the trigger. I don't care if you're, even if you're letting the hammer down mm-hmm. um, and you were to slip off of it, mm-hmm. it still requires pulling the trigger. Pressure the trigger. Yep. So, um, you know, I, again, with, you know, I, I'm sure details are continue to come out and, you know, the, the interview that he did, um, you know, the in-person interview that he did where he said he didn't pull the trigger. I just, like I said, we weren't there. Yep. But uh, I find it hard to believe, knowing what I know about single-action revolvers. Once that gun's cocked, got to pull the trigger. Yep. So, um, you know, and uh, even, so let's say, for example, this gun was loaded um, with all non-transfer bar single-action revolvers. The uh, the kind of the the rule is to only load five. Mm-hmm. They're six-shot revolvers. Mm-hmm. You only load five, and you rest the hammer on an empty chamber in your cylinder. Um so, and the reason for that is, is that an impact to the back of this hammer, a very hard impact, something harder than that, mm-hmm. could make that round go off mm-hmm. if it was resting on a live round. So, um, just something to point out, guys. Just something I kind of wanted to show our viewers and give them a different, I guess, uh, something to think about. Um, hopefully, it was informative for people that don't know. Sure. And, uh, sure. you know, and again, I don't know the... Uh, I don't know the ins and outs and what was being done. Um, but you know, you know, what, what we are finding out is there was a lot of budget cuts and yep. a lot of corners being cut. Yep. So 
some people unhappy with some of the safety aspects mm-hmm. that were taking place on the prior filming and then also at yep. the start of this filming. So, yeah, you know, we'll let them investigate it and figure out what's going on there. But uh, from the demonstration there, you can kind of see that something pulled the trigger. Yes. <sighs> so it's basically did. the consensus of yep. our uh, our opinion. And uh, there again, in our opinion, and uh, 75 cents will buy you a cup of coffee. Yeah, so maybe. Maybe, yeah, well. Maybe like yeah. Yeah, well, maybe not. Maybe if you're a senior at McDonald's in the morning, I don't know. I if coffee. Is it? No, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Benjamin. <laughs> All right, folks. We've had a great time tonight. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here because we're just about exactly on time. So uh, we hope everybody enjoyed uh, enjoyed oh, watching tonight. Oh, what? what? Uh, White Claw. Oh, we forgot about the forgot white. Forgot about the white clog. Yeah, Bill didn't give me a note ahead of he time. Did. He's yeah, mouthing yeah, back he's here, but I didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We got to burn somebody on the white claw yet tonight. Uh, yeah. Let's see. So somebody's going to have to buy a six pack of white claw or ranch water or ranch water. Okay, yep. so we still got that deal going. Mm-hmm. So whoever's listening to the podcast or the YouTube, and when we call out the name here in a minute, you need to get a hold of them. There's several different ways you can get a hold of yep. them, but uh, get a hold of them. And uh, and uh, the first person to get a hold of them needs to get them, uh, they'll need to get them a uh, choice of beverage shipped yes. out. So yeah. um, who, who are we going to do tonight, Deuce? Well, uh, I know he's a faithful listener. Oh, great. Okay, so, we and I, like and that. I don't want to punish people for being faithful listeners because right, I really right. do appreciate it. Sure, absolutely. But uh, I, it's kind of his his turn in the wheel. Okay. So I think okay. uh, J.B. Kidd. Ah, J.B. Kidd. Uh, of Iowa fame. Yes, yes, yes. Of Iowa and Indiana yeah, fame. I yeah. think he needs, to, uh, he needs to take his turn this week. Absolutely. And, uh, yep. and when you call him about the White Claw or the Ranch Water, ask him about his summer home that he's planning for Indiana. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He'll know what the reference is. He's fending off a lot of yeah. those rumors. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to help. Uh, we're going to help fuel the flames to that. So, and the magnet is on. So, no, fantastic. All right, JB Kid. So, get your wallet out, buddy. Uh, get ready to ship something out, and we appreciate that a lot for supporting our show and so yeah, supporting uh, supporting our listeners that are going to get a hold of you. So, um, feel free to buy more than one if you get people that call in all at once. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, yep. So, but one's your obligation. So, yeah. all right, we'll pick somebody for next week's show. Anything else I forgot tonight? No. Uh, next week is uh, going to be on the trail. On the trail, which absolutely. will be uh, cowboy action shooting and sass talk. Fantastic. So, Looking yep. forward to it. Looking all right. forward to it. All right, folks. Again, thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Like we always say, keep your powder dry. We'll see you next week. Thanks.